Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now I don't know about y'all, but if I'm Joseph, I, Joseph, I got questions right here. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public spectacle or example, was minded to put her away in private. But while he thought on these things, thank God for messengers. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. I, I would say the angel of the Lord interrupted his intention. Saying, Joseph, thou son of David, here's heaven's theme song, two words, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Man, that's powerful. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. I'm going to read verse 21 one more time. And I want you to listen very closely. And she shall bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Listen carefully. For he shall save his people from their sins. I'm going to preach the third or fourth part of this series. His name shall be called on this morning. Father, thank you for the anointing to preach in this building. And thank you, Lord God, for ears that are open, and hearts ready to receive. We break every generational curse and dismiss every generational spirit. And we ask you that revelation run its course in this building. Do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory for the people of God that are leaning forward in their faith. Where could we go to receive the words of eternal life? We look to you in Jesus' name. Let's give him praise one more time, everybody. Amen. Look at your neighbor before you sit down and tell him it's on in the building. And then, then you can sit down. As I was preparing this morning and wondering if anyone would even be in the sanctuary and realizing our online church is so strong, I was very excited about preaching this particular word. The Bible says in verse 21, he shall save his people from their sins. His name shall be called Jesus. I'm here today to build your faith and to build your confidence with three words, just three words. He will save. You're going to feel fortified when you leave this building today knowing three words. He will save. Amen. Say it with me. He will save. You know, during this season, preachers are preaching every story from Matthew. Many of them will go to the first chapter of John and preach about the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
Many preachers will preach about the shepherds in the field, the angels that descended out of heaven. Many preachers preach that the angels descended singing. They were not singing, they were saying, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. It is interesting the dialogue that is found from the gospel writers concerning this whole idea of a Messiah being born in a manger. Hmm. We have taken our series from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 that his name shall be called. As I was studying, I was thinking, and even on our table talk the other night, Bishop Tony Miller was on there, and he mentioned this word Advent. And I've preached on this a few times, and I thought, man, I need to bring that revelation back to our people. So I want to just rehearse to you contextually and historically the idea of Advent. Say that word, Advent. It was in the 5th century that Christians in Spain started developing what they called the four weeks of preparation. And the four weeks of preparation that the Christians in Spain developed in the 4th and 5th century was in reference to the coming of the Messiah. Now watch this. By the 6th century, the Christians in Rome had taken the tradition of the Christians in Spain and they started practicing what they referred to as the Advent, which was the four Sundays before Christmas. And they themed those four Sundays, number one, with hope, then with peace, then with love, and then finally with joy. And the purpose of the Advent was to build the anticipation of Christian people. The thought behind this pattern or practice was that if Jesus came the first time at this time of year, then certainly he will return at this same season of some year. So we don't want him to show up and we're not prepared for his return. So the purpose of Advent was to build this anticipation in the hearts of blood-bought, sanctified, believing people. The difference is that today we start Thanksgiving with meals. We celebrate Christmas with food, and those four weeks is actually filled with festivity. But during the original advent or practice or tradition or pattern of the advent, fasting was going on. Because Christians knew that fasting made you ready to discern any place that God may show up. It puts your spiritual senses on a heightened level. Fasting does powerful things to us. And it's interesting to me that we've exchanged the fasting for feasting. And it's no wonder that expectation has been replaced with lethargic attitudes. It's no wonder that the anticipation of God's people has come down several notches through the centuries. It's as if commonplace just 
um, almost routine rituals has replaced the excitement of that, you know what, anything can happen at any time when you're serving a living Savior. So eventually in the Middle Ages, the advent turned into the preparation not only for his second or his second coming or his return, but it was the practice of acknowledging that the coming of Jesus happens three ways. The first time he came, he came to a manger in Bethlehem. The second time Christ comes, he comes into your heart and you accept him as your Savior. And then the final stage was concerning the Advent teaching was that he will return to receive his own unto himself. Pretty strong stuff, isn't it? It is called the Advent season. Someone said the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in their soul, who know themselves to be poor and they know themselves to be imperfect, but they look forward to something greater that will come. So Advent is always connected to expectation and anticipation. Someone prayed this prayer during Advent. God of hope, I look to you with an open heart. I look to you with a yearning spirit. During this Advent season, I will keep alert and I will stay awake, listening for your word. Man, this is a good prayer. And keeping your precepts. My hope, Lord, is in you. Powerful. In the original meaning of the word Advent, the definition is what is supposed to be is. It means to come into place or to come into view. It has this finally feeling to it. The arrival of what you've been expecting or expectant waiting. If you study Scripture close enough, you'll discover according to Luke chapter 3 and verse 15, that when Jesus was born, the people, in the Greek it reads like this, the people were living in a state of expectancy. Did you hear that? Luke three fifteen. the people were living in a state of expectancy. You find Simeon, the old prophet, living in the temple, and the Bible says he was anxiously waiting for the consolation of the people of God. You find Anna, the old prophetess, living in the temple. And the Bible says of Anna, she's waiting for the revelation of the Messiah. A man at a gate called Beautiful in Acts chapter 3 saw two men of God going into the temple and pray, to pray. And the Bible says he looked at them expecting to receive something from them. I heard a preacher say that expectation, expectation is a breeding ground for miracles. So the question today is during this Advent season, what are you looking for? What are you expecting? See, we have gotten into such a bad practice during this whole 2020 that we almost wake up every day, and I can't speak for all of you, but I can speak for a few of us, 
that I've seen people get into this pattern of waking up almost like this is going to be another doomsday. Another day of bad news. The election didn't go right. The pandemic ain't right. The economy is not right. Nothing is right. Can I introduce you to the author and finisher of your faith? Can I tell you about a God that had a plan before anything troubling ever showed up? That God has a practice of bringing his people out of one thing and into another thing. He brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He delivered Jonah from a well. God has a way of bringing us out. But I've learned that people that live with a certain, their heart is beaten with the palpitation of excitement, expectancy, that God is always examining the earth, looking for people who are expecting things to change. And I came by to tell you at the end of 2020, if you don't expect 2021 to be any different than 2020, then welcome to your future. But if you make up in your mind, I'm expecting God to do something great for me and my family, for me and my church. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are going on around you because God will show up in the middle of the circumstance and he'll deliver you and your family. My Bible tells me that the uncompromisingly righteous person shall be delivered from all their trouble. Not some of your trouble, but all of your trouble. If anybody in this building or online is expecting God to do something for you, I dare you to give him an Advent praise. Give him a praise of anticipation. Give him a praise of expectation. Lord, we believe any moment things are going to change for us. Hallelujah. God is good. So the people were in a state of expectancy. The question is, what were they waiting for? The answer is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now we've talked about Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, and Everlasting Father. But today, we're going to talk about Mighty God. If you serve a Mighty God, let me hear you give that Mighty God a mighty praise in this building. All of these offices listed in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, all of them are offices that only a Messiah could occupy. When you talk about the office of wonderful counselor, it's the office of wisdom concerning your purpose in the earth. It's realizing that many, Proverbs 19:21 are the plans of a man's heart, but God's counsel. God's purpose shall prevail. He's a wonderful counselor. When you talk about the office 
of the Prince of Peace, then you have to say that the atmosphere of calm is supplied for your cause in the earth. When you talk about the everlasting Father, you have to discuss the idea that the affirmation for your assignment belongs to you and it only comes from an everlasting Father. But when you talk about the office of a mighty God, it's the only office that is directly connected to our text in Matthew 121. Somebody shout, he's a mighty God. Verse 21 says, he shall bring forth the son. She shall bring forth the son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Isaiah says in verse 6, chapter 9, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name shall be called Mighty God. But the angel said, his name is Jesus. Now we've got a name for the office. His name is Jesus. So when you say Jesus, you say he's a wonderful counselor. You say Jesus, you say that's an everlasting father. You say Jesus, you say that's a prince of peace. And when you say Jesus, now we know Jesus is the mighty God. For unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Jesus. Say that name. Oh, for more preaching about him. Oh, for more preaching about Jesus. Not your self-help. Not your four steps to this and ten steps to that. Oh, for more preaching about Jesus, the epitome of grace, the manifestation of mercy, a life of love. Somebody shout his name, Jesus. Now let's take it to Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. One angel said his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord your God is with you. When you see Jesus, you see God. Watch what it says. He is mighty to save. What did the angel tell Joseph and Mary? He shall what? Save. What did Zephaniah say? He is mighty to save. What did the angel tell them? He shall save his people. What did Zephaniah say? He is mighty to save. What did Isaiah say? His name shall be called mighty God. He is mighty to save. Strong. He's mighty to save, to rescue from danger. Or to rescue from destruction. To keep safe and sound. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to bring you out of the hospital coach. He is mighty to rescue you from danger. He's mighty to rescue you from destruction. His arm is not too short that he cannot save. When he 
You examine his strength. You have to say his strength is for the purpose of saving. I've learned something about God. He never runs out of strength to save. Strong stuff. If he's a savior, then he is a deliverer. Because save means to deliver. Somebody say deliver. Zephaniah says in chapter 3 verse 18, I will gather them that are sorrowful. Watch this. Behold at that time I will undo all that afflict you. I will save her. There it is. That halteth. And I will gather her that was driven out. And I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. God is about to replace your shame with fame. At that time, I will bring you again, even in the time I gather you, and I will make you a name and a praise among the people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before their eyes. I'm trusting that I can use you as an exhibition. So I'm going to deliver you. Of all of these wonderful characteristics of a deliverer, my eyes were fixed on I will save her that halteth. I will deliver them. This is literally what it means, the etymology in the Hebrew. I will, I will deliver them that are limping from their fall. If he's a savior, he's a deliverer. I will deliver them that are limping from the fall. He didn't say I will deliver you from the fall. He didn't even say I'll stop you from falling. He said I'll deliver you from the limp that the fall caused you to have. Those that are living a consequence of a decision that threw their cause, threw their cause into a curve. Watch this. He said, I'm going to save those that are what? Limping. They were going this way, but their limp threw them this way. I hope you don't miss this. You're not limping because you were born that way. You're limping because of a decision you made that was referred to as a fall. If you were limping, it does not mean you're not making progress. It just means you're not making progress fast enough to keep up with your purpose. And many of you have things in your life that have caused you to limp. You're limping through your destiny instead of leaping through your destiny. But I came by to tell you that my Bible says he will save his people. If he will save you, then he will deliver you, not just from the fall, but from the limp. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? I believe during this Advent season, God is about to give you the advantage. God is about to advance the speed of your purpose in this earth. Your cadence is picking up speed. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? When you write a vision, you got to run with it. And when you limping, you can't run fast. But God said, I'm about to fix your limp. I'm about to deliver you. How many of you are ready to run? Hmm. So here's the question. 
Why would he deliver you? And listen to me, Christian people, Christian people, listen to me. Why would he deliver you and then not defend you? Some of y'all act like God is like a, um, like a, what's that ring you throw into the water to save people? A lifesaver. You throw it out there and pull them in, then you just leave them on their own. You treat God like that. Like God, yeah, you saved me. But now where are you? So you get saved and then you fight to keep your salvation every day. You're fighting every day. And my Bible says that whoever the Father put, whoever Jesus put in the hands of the Father, no man can take him out. Why are you living your salvation on razor's edge? It's like every day you either saved or you not saved. It's like every day, man, you, 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 you feel like because you said blankety blank last night, if you died this morning, you go into a devil's hell to burn in for eternity. What kind of salvation is that? What kind of grace is that? That you saved me only till I made a mistake and then you send me to hell? I'm losing some of you real religious people. But that's okay. That's all right. Because the truth be told, the Bible says he that says he's without sin is a liar. And the truth is not in him. All of us make mistakes. All of us. But man, I tell you, I made a couple this week. Me. I made a few that I think, man, I shouldn't have made that mistake right there. And I just look to the Father and I'm thinking, he's looking at me like, why are you freaking out have your kids ever done something wrong and you, they come to you knowing like you they finna get it and you're looking at them and you say that's that's not that big of a deal see some of you have an image of god with a long gray beard with lightning bolts coming out of his nostril and he can't wait to destroy you like god is just sitting there i dare you to make a mistake because i'm going to kill you when you do it what kind of everlasting father is that? What kind of prince of peace is that? What kind of wonderful counselor sits on a throne waiting to take you out? You need to get a new revelation of who your father is. God is good. Why would he deliver you and then not defend you? Watch this. Verse 14, Zephaniah chapter 3. Sing, daughter of Zion. Shout, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. Why? Because the Lord has taken away your judgments. What? The Lord has taken away your judgments? He has cast out your enemy? The king of Israel, the Lord, is in the midst of you? You shall not see evil anymore. You know what you call that? A defender. That's a defender. He's a deliverer. He's a defender. That's what makes him mighty to save. Not that he just delivered you, but that he defends you. Catch a woman caught in the act of adultery. Drag her to his feet. And look at him and say, the law says, and I can hear Jesus say, you ain't talking to the law. You're talking to love right now. 
So you need to address me a little differently. She's caught in the act of adultery. The law says stone her. And Jesus kneels down in the dirt and he begins to erase her judgments. And the Bible says from the oldest, he says, you who without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to depart. To the point that he looks at her and he says, woman, where are thine accusers? John chapter 8. And she says, I have none, Lord. Listen to his defense. Then go and sin no more. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? If you keep doing that, you're going to keep hurting yourself. He didn't send her to hell, y'all. He just said there's a better way to do life. If you keep sleeping around on your husband, you're going to keep paying an awful consequence. I'll leave it there. He takes away your judgments. The verdict that was passed down has been removed. He has cast out your enemy. He has established your future. You shall not see evil anymore. He didn't say evil wasn't going to be there. Y'all just missed that. He just said you're not going to see it anymore. You know why people see evil, Christian? Because they're looking for it. You're going to find what you're looking for. And if you're always looking for the bad in people, if you're always looking for evil in people, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find bad and evil. And he said, you're not going to look for it anymore. You're not going to look. You're not going to sit here and learn about the bad stuff about people. Some people live to learn about the ugly of people. What a horrible way to live your life. Waking up every day wondering, what, am I, what are we going to find out on him today? What are we going to discover about them today? What are we going to read on Facebook about them today? That is not even godly. Much less holy. Much less merciful. And watch what he says. You shall not see them anymore. Not that they're not there but you're not going to see them. The Bible says that God spoke to David and he said, I've cut off all your enemies from your sight. David had enemies his whole life, but you can get to a place in God where you can't even see your enemies. There are more people that go on social media to see what the people that don't like them are saying than they do the people that love them. We get on social media to see if we got enough hearts and thumbs I can't get no hearts and thumbs in this building. And we want to know, was it a heart or was it a thumb? And then you see the thumb and you go, oh, they don't really like me. They just, they just gave me the thumb. If they really loved me, they would have given me the heart. And why didn't they come in at all? They didn't say it. They didn't hit nothing. I know you saw it. And you, we live for that stuff. And we read other people's posts we don't like just so we can pick it apart. And go, there, there, there they go. Same old stupid person. They were stupid at the beginning. They still stupid now. Posting stupid stuff. It's like you, we just look. We have a bend in us toward negative, toward the dark, toward the evil. And it's so ungodly. And it's so unholy. And if you would ever get to a place that we were Christ-like, we would be defending each other. 
instead of exposing each other. Amen. He, see, as a savior, he delivers, then he defends. Let, let me finish so I can make you happy. Say this with me. He delivers. He defends. Now watch this. Giovanna came in this morning to the living room. She couldn't wait to get up to see the snow. She's kind of like Crystal. And I walked into the bedroom, and she was awake, but she wasn't up. Like some of y'all, you're awake, but you're just not up. I'm just out. I just do that. I joke. So I said, baby, you awake? Yeah. I said, you ain't going to believe this. I said, so I pulled the curtain back. She said, oh, it's so beautiful. I said, isn't that beautiful? And she said, that's so beautiful. You got to realize, we ain't seen, we, we weren't raised around snow, none of us. So this is a big deal for us. I mean, we can't wait to get out there and lay down and do this, do this, and do that. You know, we, we can't wait. And so, you know, that's why Crystal's praying I hurry up so it won't melt by one. And then um, she walks into the living room. She said, babe, have you had your coffee? I said, two cups. She said, but this is hot chocolate weather. I said, well, of course it is. She said, does that mean you want me to bring you some hot chocolate? I said, well, of course I do. She gets the hot chocolate. She brings it in there. Then we go back, and we're looking out there at the snow. And I said, babe, if I delivered you, she looked at me like, are you weird? Just out of the clear blue or out of the clear snow? <laughs> She's looking at me like I'm a weirdo. I said, if I delivered you, what would you expect me to do then? She said, Ricky, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm about to make hot chocolate. I said, wouldn't you expect me to defend you if I delivered you? And she said, well, of course. I would expect you to defend me if you delivered me. And I said, well, if I delivered you and I defend you, would it be all right with you if I delight in you? She said, help yourself. I said, girl, get the hot chocolate. Watch what the Bible says. Verse 17, Zephaniah 3. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to what? Save. There it is. He's a mighty God. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Wait a minute. God will rejoice over you. Can you imagine God singing? I mean, Tony's a great singer. Jamie is an amazing, these guys are amazing singers. But what does God sound like? When he looks at you and he says, I delivered you. I have defended you. Now I'm going to sing over you. And watch what he says. I'm going to delight in you. The word is exalt, not exalt, exalt, which means to feel or show triumphant jubilation. God throws himself a party 
by what he's done in our lives. Somebody give him praise right there. Amen. So he shall delight in you. Everyone say these words. He will save. He delivered me. He defends me. And he delights in me. I want you to get that. Change your perspective of God. God's not mad. He's glad. God is not looking down at us with sternness. He's looking at us through eyes of grace. Micah tells us he delights to show mercy. See, you think you're making him miserable, and he delights to show mercy. He loves showing you his grace. Can you lift your hands, please, all over this building? Father, we thank you for your love. Truly, you're an everlasting father. Truly, you are the prince of peace. Truly, you are all of those things, a wonderful counselor. But today, I see you as one that is mighty to save. His name shall be called Jesus, and he will save his people. If you belong to him, you ought to have your hands up worshiping him. This is your word because he's very exclusive about his explanation. He will save his people. If you belong to him, he defends you when you fall. If you belong to him, he removes the judgments from you. If you belong to him, you have a wonderful future. Relax. I want you to see God dancing over you today. I want you to see God looking at you and he's singing over you. That's how he loves you. God is good, isn't he? When I feel a little frisky with Giovanna, I walk in there and start singing to her. The other day she told me, babe, please, please quit. Just stop. I said, baby, is it, is it messing with you that much? And she said, yes, yeah, getting on my nerves. But 99% of the time, you know what she tells me? I love it when you sing to me, babe. And I can't sing more two cents. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But she loves it. You know why? Because it's what I'm saying, not how I'm singing it. And can I tell you, if we love it that much when people that we love sing to us, I do it to my grandkids all the time. Haley said, I'm going to be a good rapper one day. But I sing to my grandkids all the time, and they think it's funny. But they love it. Now, if they love it that much, how much should we love? Right, Tony? Right, Elena? The fact that God looks at us and starts singing over us. Somebody say this with me. He's not mad at me. Get that in your heart. He's not. He's not mad at you. He loves you. Let's everyone stand, please, and lift those hands. And Tony and Jamie, let's take a moment and just close your eyes, look toward heaven, and let's worship him.
salvation. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered. He rose and conquered the grave. Conquered. Jesus conquered the grave. Yes, Lord. Mm, say. If I was gonna preach this and really rear back and preach this message, I would have started it like this: He will save. And I would have told you there is no room for negotiation in these words. He will save. There is no compromise in his conclusion. He will save. There is no opportunity for error. He will save. There's no miscommunication to his mission. He will save. There's no sidestep in the statement. He will save. With emphatic exclamation, he says, he will save. Shout those three words. He will save. Psalm 91 verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the snare and from the deadly pestilence. Y'all didn't hear that right there. He will save you from the deadly pestilence pestilence surely he will save you from the pandemic surely he will save you from COVID-19 surely he will save you from the coronavirus surely he will save you from the deadly pestilence surely he will save you throw your hands up and shout he will save father we thank you today lift those hands that you are mighty to save. Your name shall be called Mighty God. And today we thank you for the strength to save. How many times you delivered us. You still deliver us. And you will deliver us. Thank you, God. Thank you. Everyone with your hands raised, I'm not going to chance this. I'm going to pray this prayer and ask everyone in this building to repeat it with me. Lord, I love you with all of my heart. I come before you today needing you to save me. Your word says you are mighty to save. Your word says Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. So today, I ask you, to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness and save me. Your word says, if I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that I would be saved. I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth 
Jesus is Lord. And I receive my salvation this day. In the name of Jesus. Now if you prayed that one time or 50 times, give him praise like you know he just delivered you. Hallelujah. He's mighty to save. Amen.